This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning into UBS Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Sambudhare. Head of Product for Economics and Macro Strategy. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about our outlook for European equities in 2024 with Jerry Fowler, Chief Equity Strategist for Europe, and also our Global Head of Derivative Strategy. Jerry, welcome. Let's start briefly with a recap of 2023. We expected a recession in the US, the Fed was supposed to pivot, but none of it happened. Although inflation, hopefully, or most likely peaked at the end of last year. But tell us from your perspective exactly what happened. Why did we all get surprised? And most importantly, what does it all mean for 2024? Yeah, sure. I mean, 2023 was a year that I think most people were happy to say uh, goodbye to by the time Christmas came around. It was a difficult one from an investment perspective. It started with a really surprising uh, outperformance of Europe, uh, both in terms of absolute performance and outperformance of the US. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of enthusiasm for the China reopening trade that spurred things like the luxury sector to uh, really elevated levels. Uh, that then reversed, um, as did the semiconductor sector, for example, another very popular sector in the first half of the year. And these these rotations that we saw a few times through the year were really quite tricky. Um, in the background, you had consistently rising yields until very late in the year when you got a rapid reversal in the, in the high level of yields that had become quite dominant in the performance of different sectors. So overall, a fairly tricky year where actually for most of the year, the index traded in the range we thought it would around about 410 to 480. It was in the top half of that for most of the year, but really it was a, it was a, quite a big surprise that in the final two months of the year, we virtually hit the bottom and the top of that range uh, in quick succession. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was quite of a quite a topsy-turvy year from that perspective. But with that setup, um, I know you've written about your outlook recently. So so what's the short version? What's your elevator pitch for European equities for 2024? Yeah, sure. Well, we're starting from a slightly different point in that we had a very sharp rally at the end of last year uh, that took the index up to towards 480, uh, in fact, briefly over just before the, the year ended. And so we're starting at a different valuation point. Um, and that's partly because the yield level in the US and in Europe has declined. And that's been sort of supercharged by actually risk premium going down. So credit spreads have actually been contracting. So it's really been a valuation rebound, um, uh, similar to what we saw at the beginning of last year, although in this case, we've already had it as we start the year. So from these slightly more elevated valuation levels and slightly rosier expectations for growth and yields, valuations is uh, very much a focus of investors. So our view is that the valuation does have a bias to the downside from here. We've probably got the best we're going to see in terms of re-rating from lower bond yields, which are roughly in the landing zone we would expect them, and from credit spreads, which we actually expect to widen a little bit towards the end of the year, but but risk premium is probably justifiably expected to be low from from a credit cycle perspective. But this year is full of risks other than credits and and sovereign bond yields. It's geopolitical with obviously wars in several environments, um, as well as political with lots of elections going on, particularly the US election 
election later this year. So a decent amount of policy uncertainty needs to be factored in, uh, which we think is probably not currently in either volatility levels or valuations. Uh, so while we think valuations are probably okay, I would have a bias that valuations are lower from here. Um, now, obviously opposing that is what's happening to earnings growth. Uh, the market is expecting about 5% earnings growth in Europe. We're currently expecting about minus three. So we are below consensus, but it, it's still basically a fairly neutral year from an earnings growth perspective. So you put it all together and you basically end up with a market that's probably range bound again from these levels. Uh, the range we would expect is more like 420 to 520 when you're looking at the stock 600. Um, uh, I have a bias to thinking that it's probably going to trade in the lower half of that range because of the, the weakness we're expecting in earnings growth this year. Um, uh, but nonetheless, it's another year where, from a macro perspective, returns will probably be um, you know, minimal or low or negative, uh, and all of the opportunities will be under the surface. Okay, that's useful. I wanted to emphasize a bit on the earnings point that you're making, Jerry. So, so your analysis shows that margin compression is coming which is kind of taking your profit growth numbers significantly lower than what consensus is expecting for this year. So what is driving that? I mean, what is it that you're feeding into your models that is leading to that conclusion? So we um, uh, use a variety of tools to forecast sales levels, first of all, but also margins to get to an earnings estimate. Uh, and our sales model is coming up with fairly consensus expectations, and I can get into the detail of that later. But the margin model is not. Our margin model is really expecting a normalization what are currently really elevated COVID-infused levels of margins that we've seen in the European market. Um, they're about 10%. We would expect them this year to come down towards nine and potentially in our forecasts come down further towards seven or eight uh, in the following year, which would be much more like the level of margin that European companies were generating for the last decade before COVID. Um, what's really driving it is a few things. First of all, we are expecting some rate cuts and that will impact the banks and their net interest margin, uh, which is fairly widely anticipated, but nonetheless likely to happen. Uh, but also, many companies are reporting in surveys like the PMIs that they are losing the pricing power that they had through the last few years. Um, in addition to that, we are seeing a fairly significant slowdown in inflation, which was what allowed many companies to raise their margins over the last few years, and generally a stagnation, a weak stagnation in economic growth. And when you get nominal GDP, so real growth plus inflation, slowing down, you invariably, historically, get margin compression. Um, so it's a surprise to me that actually for the market and for most sectors, consensus is expecting not just margin stability from high levels, but even margin expansion. Uh, so we think that consensus will be disappointed on that, uh, on that part of the, the outlook um, that will ultimately lead to modestly negative earnings growth on modestly positive sales growth. That's interesting. And, and are there any sectoral differences that you're seeing here? I mean, as in, where are you seeing the biggest dislocations? Yeah, so the, 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 it's absolutely the case that there is a lot of differentiation between sectors in Europe, and that's a pretty key part of our call. Um, what we're seeing is that consensus is fairly optimistic on most sectors when it comes to margin expansion. Uh, there's an estimate that uh, margins are going to, going to be expanding uh, for pretty much every sector, excluding things like banks, where it's pretty widely anticipated that there'll be rate cuts that will impact their ability to, to maintain margins, as well as semis, uh, where there has been a decent slowdown 
um, over the last year that's that's reducing expectations, although actually we could that that could reverse. And autos where effectively there's a price war. So the margin compression we're seeing is to some extent more in some of these cyclical sectors that will be most exposed to both competition within the sector um, as well as that growth slowed out. Uh, but that'll contrast with what we think are higher quality sectors where there's less competition, more ability to maintain pricing uh, and pricing power, um, uh, which will be you know, very interesting to see that divergence play out. And it's a key theme for us is to, to focus on quality this year. Got it. So focus on quality over cyclical sectors is the mantra for this for this year. So which sectors would you say there are opportunities from from current levels, especially with the kind of valuation and earnings setup that you that you're talking about? Yeah, so uh, from a very high level perspective, when you've got Europe at a fairly low level of growth, but at least a stable level of growth, Europe already had it slow down. Uh, in comparison to the US, where we're expecting a growth slowdown, China, where we're expecting a growth slowdown, uh, we definitely have a bit more of a domestic bias. So we are focused on more domestic companies and that would favor smaller companies in Europe generally. Um, because we're expecting this, uh, this general global growth slowdown and equity market weakness, we're also focused on quality, uh, where margins can be more resilient and earnings will be more resilient. And also um, companies that are able to produce some actual earnings growth, uh, because when growth is scarce economically, you tend to favor and, and price more highly growth where you can find it uh, from a corporate perspective. So we've highlighted um, a range of opportunities in our outlook. Well, I mean, Jerry, you talked about the ranges of outcome for the for the stock 600. So, so could you tell us uh, a little bit about where could we be surprised? Um, it actually both to the upside and downside. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of upside versus downside, the upside is clearly from a continuation of recent trends, which would reflect resilient, if not improving growth in the US and Europe. Uh, and that is entirely possible the way we look at some of these leading indicators coming off their lows and, and potentially re-accelerating. Um, but that would also need to be in conjunction with continued low yields and low risk premia uh, in credit spreads. Um, and we've already had a decent amount of that. So at this point, it's quite tricky to, to see sort of the plausible upside where both those things happen at the same time, but it is possible. We've obviously had quite a strong rally as yields and risk premium declined, um, and some of that was supported by rising growth expectations. So a continuation of current trends certainly reflects more upside. Uh, and if you look at the leading index forecast distribution model that we have, it would suggest that if we return to a recovery phase, sorry, return into an expansion phase of the business cycle, uh, which looks like it's quite possible in the near future, then actually the stock 600 could be trading up towards 520, uh, which is about 10% higher than here, uh, quite plausibly. And that range would be rising at that time as well as, as the leading index continues to improve. So that's the upside. Um, uh, uh, um, tail or risk. The downside risk is, um, I guess, some combination of a reversal of a lot of the trends. So we still think that a lot of the lags um, that we're seeing from monetary policy transmission are starting to come to an end and that we will see more weakness in US economic growth in particular. Uh, and that this will feed into 
not just lower yields because inflation is lower, but actually lower yields because growth is lower as well. Uh, and if we if we get that, then our earnings expectation of just a few percent negative might turn into something more uh, significantly negative. Uh, and at current levels of valuations, there's not a huge amount of room for further yield declines to uh, to, to offset that. Um, I wouldn't be too pessimistic. This is not likely to be something that causes, you know, the downside tail is not something that causes a deep or sharp slowdown, uh, but our range bound view to be surprised to the downside would reflect sort of a minus 10 to 15% return on the market this year, um, which would come through weakness in earnings growth if the US proves weaker than current expectation. Brilliant. Thank you, Jerry. Um, you have quite a cautious view there on European equities for now. Um, well, that was our brief overview on how we think about European equities this year. Jerry and team, they have recently published a comprehensive outlook note on this topic. So if you want to discuss more or have questions, uh, please reach out to them and they'll be very happy to help you. This is me, Sambuda Ray, signing off for now. Tune in again to UBS Global Research Pod Hub for more investment insights. Thank you. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries, and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation, nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2024. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.